Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 82 called God Takes His Stand. How long will you judge unjustly? How long will you show partiality to the wicked? Once you turn to the book of James for a second, James chapter 2, hold your place in that psalm and we'll come back to it. But the book of James, James deals with a lot of hard truth and this is one example of it. Here's James 2. We'll pick it up in verse 1. My brethren... He's, a, he's addressing believers. My brethren, James 2.1, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism or partiality. If a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, James 2.3. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges, here it is, with evil motives? I guess anybody can take the role of a judge. Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, that is God's law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor or as transgressors, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Now, if we were to summarize the law back to Psalm 82 and ask what the essence of the law is, James has hit the nail on the head. The essence of the law is that we love people. No matter who they are, no matter if they look like us, no matter if you know, they come from the same background or whatever, we're supposed to love each other. In fact, you know that you have passed out of death into life, 1 John 3, I think it's verse 14, if you love God's people. One of the greatest measures of whether or not you belong to Christ is your love for people. And that the distinctions between, you know, where we come from, our skin color, whatever it may be, our bank accounts, our pedigree, it means nothing. All ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? This is what should distinguish the church from the world and the the petty stuff that goes on. Leviticus 19.15 says, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. Psalm 7, 3 through 5, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, I want you to make this personal, if I have rewarded evil to my friend or plundered him without cause, 
uh, was my adversary. Let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust, say law. That's Psalm 7, 3 through 5. In other words, the psalmist says, if I've done this, because it is easy for me to judge other people when we're talking about judgment. Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah, so-and-so does do that. Oh, yeah, such-and-such does do that. If you have a loved one by your side, you are that person. Little loving elbow to the midsection. Did you hear that? Or the famous one, I wish so-and-so were here tonight because they really need to hear this sermon. (laughs) And all God's people said... That's right, Raggy. <laughs> Relp. <laughs> Proverbs 16.9 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Deuteronomy 1.17 says, You shall not show partiality in judgment. Proverbs 18.5 says, To show partiality to the wicked is not good, nor to thrust aside the righteous in judgment. You can't judge something fairly if you are partial. Acts 10.34, Peter, in the house of Cornelius, a group of Gentiles, Peter said, I, am, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. So how can I? So let me just tell you that this is a transition to think about in these verses. This is back in Psalm 82. God's question is, how long will you do things that contradict heaven's heart? Selah. Now, When we get to verses 3 and 4, I will tell you that you're going to see heaven's heart. It might be a little bit surprising because this is what it says. It says, vindicate, literally lift up the faces of the weak and fatherless. Do justice. Here's what God, the ultimate judge, wants the judges of the earth to do. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. Now we get detail about the judge's heart for the judges of the earth. This is what he wants to see. This is not exhaustive, but it interests me that God goes here first and says, vindicate, vindicate, lift up the faces of the weak and the fatherless. You know, in our world right now, uh, we, we have a blight on our world happening at uh, epidemic proportions, and it is sex trafficking. And we support a ministry called Destiny Rescue. I'm actually wearing one of the bracelets that one of the, the girls that was rescued made. Um, and that ministry goes into very dangerous spots, brothels and bars and the like, and tries to rescue underage kids out of sex trafficking. It can be a very dangerous endeavor. And they sometimes, they do whatever they have to do. Sometimes it involves exchange of money to rescue these kids out of this life. It is a ministry of vindication or rescue. And I have to ask myself, how much do I do of that? How much do I get involved with lifting up the faces of the weak and the fatherless? You know, We've been hearing stories in the news that uh, young girls, and it could be boys as well, who get sucked into some of these situations where they are abused 
come from fatherless or parentless situations or they're runaways. And they get exploited by people who should know much better. And I'm not going to get into the grimy details tonight, but some of you are aware of stories where people, you know, it, the, the evidence is very clear. They get somebody weak and vulnerable on the streets. They manipulate them for their purposes. And part of the role of God's people is to vindicate these people, to lift up their faces. I know many of you have opened your home to adoption, and I think that's a form of this, to rescue. I think pro-life ministry is a form of this. When we have you know, children who are the most innocent victims in the womb, um, this, is, this is part of what we need to cry out to God for. And we've got to be wise about how we do this. We need to realize that we've all, all fallen short of the glory of God. So we, we need wisdom in the way that we walk this out because it's been done wrong. But the judge of all the earth, God says, rescue the weak, verse four, and the needy, deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. I just wonder, and I, I have to ask myself these questions as a pastor, how much church ministry is directed this way? I'd say some. Uh, I don't know if, if God has more for us to do. Uh, I know there's more to do. And I don't know if he might be putting on your heart to be part of the solution there. Those who may be caught in a net of manipulation and lies, that you would be an advocate for them. Uh, I'll let you think about that, but that, that's what was speaking to my heart as I looked at these priorities. In verse 5, it says, and I think this is a direct application to these leaders, they do not know nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. They're the blind leading the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, will they not fall into a pit, Jesus says. And it is interesting, you're going to see in a moment that Jesus quotes from Psalm 82. And when he quotes from Psalm 82, it is really on the heels of three major conflicts with the religious leader of, leaders of his day, which were sit, seated in the chair of Moses. They were giving out the word of God, the law of God, though they had twisted and added to it. And they were also the ruling class of Israel, the Sanhedrin, which was the, uh, the chief priests and the Sadducees of the day. They were the political leadership of Israel as well as the religious leadership of Israel. And they were confronted by Jesus on multiple occasions. So Jesus did get political at times in his confrontations. And so, you know, James 1.27 is a verse that many of you have uh, put in your memory bank and this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to help orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And so some churches have James 127 ministries because if that's the heart of our Father to rescue orphans and widows in their distress, to keep ourselves unstained by the world, etc., that's what we want to do. We want to do justice. Look at the action words. We want to vindicate, do justice, verses 3 and 4, rescue and deliver. I don't know what you're doing these days in terms of living your life for God, but that might not be a bad start. To see how you might be an answer to someone who might be in a situation where they're in a tough spot. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. I don't know what you're doing these days in terms of living your life for God, but that might not be a bad start. To see how you might be an answer to someone who might be in a situation where they're in a tough spot. You know, we do that annual Royal Family Kids Camp. And these are kids in the foster care system. And we raise money all year round. And it's not just our church. It's a ministry uh, around the states and maybe in other countries. And, and we're just trying to give kids from 6 to 10 years old just a little glimpse of the love of Christ for a week. That, that's something that you can do. And, and it often takes, you know, 50 to 60 volunteers to take vacation time from work and go down to a camp in San Diego and say, I will be part of the answer. And there was even a movie that came out about a counselor that had such a connection with a troubled kid that, you know, he ended up adopting that kid, I think is how the story went. And it's the heart of God. Not for us just to know about truth, but to do it. And those who were in these positions, you know, reminding me of John chapter 9, where they claimed to see, but they were blind and they couldn't even see Jesus's, or they wouldn't acknowledge Jesus being the Messiah when he healed the man born blind. Now, since you claim that you see, you are blind because you won't believe, is essentially what Jesus told them. They were the blind leading the blind. They thought they saw. And verse 6, leading into some of the more complicated portions of the psalm, says, I said... You are gods, this is again Elohim, and all of you are sons of the Most High. I want to take you to uh, the unfolding of this scene in John chapter 10 where Jesus quotes the verse. Hold your place in Psalm 82, we'll come back, but take a look. This is John 10, and this is a probably one of the more controversial sections because Jesus' response seems a little strange on a... Uh, kind of reading on the surface, but I think you're going to see what's going on. Take a look. This is John 10, uh, verse 22. At the time, 
at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. That would be Hanukkah. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon, John 10, 24. The Jews, therefore, gathered around him. I want you to think of the language of Psalm 82. God takes his stand in the midst of the assembly, and the rulers, right? The Jews, therefore, gathered around him, Messiah Jesus, and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. I told you in rapid fire from David Gutzik. I told you I'm the one who came from heaven, John 3.13. I told you whoever believes in me has eternal life, John 3.15. I told you I'm the unique son of God, John 5.19-23. I told you I will judge all humanity, John 5.19-23. I told you all should honor me just as they honor God the Father, John 5, 19 through 23. I told you the Hebrew scriptures speak of me, John 5, 39. I told you I perfectly reveal God the Father, John 7, 28 and 29. You can go back and listen to this later because I got to go fast. I always please God and never sin. I told you, John 8, 29. I told you I'm uniquely sent from God, John 8, 42. I told you before Abraham was, I am, John 8, 58. I told you I'm the son of man prophesied in Daniel, John 9, 37. I told you I will raise myself from the dead, John 10, 17 and 18. I told you I'm the bread of life, John 6, 48. I told you I'm the light of the world, John 8, 12. I told you I'm the door, John 10, 9. I told you I'm the good shepherd, John 10, 11. Do you need more? I told you. How much more do you need? How many more miracles do you need? How many more exclusive claims do you need? How much more evidence do you need? Just one more. Tell, Tell us one more time. I told you. But you won't believe. And now they're surrounding the judge who's come to the earth to take our judgment Tell us plainly, I told you, 25, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, if you won't believe my words, then believe the works. These bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep, John 10, 27, hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. I give eternal life to them. They shall never perish, praise God. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who's given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now, this isn't just one in purpose. This is one in nature. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. The Father's not the Son. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. This is not a Jesus-only doctrine. This is not just about unity and purpose. This is unity in nature. They are one in nature. The very first verse of John's gospel says that, that he's the word and he's God. Now, the Jews know what he's saying because they took up stones again to stone him. And the Leviticus says, you can stone for blasphemy in the law. And Jesus answered, 32, I showed you many good works from the Father for which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, for a good work we do not stone you. I would imagine right here, if you look at the flow, they've, they've got the rocks in their hand, they're ready to fire. 
And Jesus calmly says, okay, which good work do you stone me for? They say, for blasphemy, because you, being a man, and he was more than a man, make yourself out to be God. And Jesus answered them, has it not been written in your law? I said, you are gods. Now there's the quote from Psalm 82, 6. If he called them gods, small g, to whom the word of God came, they were responsible to give out the word of God, to rule according to the word of God, and the scripture cannot be broken, cannot be empty of its power. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because, blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. If you do not believe, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp because it wasn't his time to die, nor would he die by stoning. But this is interesting, and I want you to think about the flow of the verses. They surround the Messiah, God the Son. He's the ultimate judge, and they're supposed to be the rulers of their day. But what have they been doing? They've been making all kinds of unjust judgments. They can't judge anything fairly, anything righteously. They can't even make a proper judgment about God the Son, the Messiah, arriving on the scene. You know why? Because they're too worried about their position, too worried about their power, too worried about the approval of man rather than the approval of God. They can't make a righteous judgment. And Jesus quotes a psalm that's all about people who are supposed to execute the word of God properly, supposed to make righteous judgments, but they don't. Do you think that these guys are familiar with Psalm 82 and the eight verses that are there? Do you think they know the context? Do you think they understand the flow? Do you think they understand the thrust of what's being said in Psalm 82? Psalm 82 is a cry for justice. It's a cry that corrupt rulers would repent and get things right and see things without having blinders on their face. You've been listening to God Takes His Stand, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 82. Remember, Walk in Truth is on podcast apps like iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, Stitcher, and many more. So you can listen to Pastor Michael's teaching whenever you want. If you're already listening to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, please give the podcast a rating. More good ratings means the greater the possibility that new listeners will find the podcast. Thank you for rating Walk in Truth. And remember, if you have not already done it, search and subscribe to Walk in Truth wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, sometimes somebody may raise a question. It seems like the Bible is saying you got to follow Jesus or else, right? Well, it, what about the option of just saying, hey, I believe there's a supreme being. Why, why do I have to follow Jesus? Well, but you have to remember, Jesus is the one who showed up. Jesus is the one who revealed God. He is God in human flesh. Jesus is the one that paid the price for your sin. Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You need Jesus because Jesus is God in a bod, if you will. He's God who entered into humanity. He made God known. He revealed the invisible God in a visible form. And that's why you must go through him because he is the, the go-between. 
And here's the positive spin on this. God did make a way for you and for me to be right with him. That's something to celebrate rather than kicking against it, submitting to it and saying, Lord, thank you for sending Jesus on a rescue mission. Hey, if you've not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is literally a prayer away. But there's not a magic prayer per se. Prayer is a way of articulating your heart. And it's something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe in who you are. I've been fighting it. I'm sorry. Thank you that you came on a rescue mission to save me. Thank you for living the perfect life that I could never live. Thank you and pray it if it's you and keep your eyes open if you're driving. Thank you that you died on that terrible cross, though you were completely innocent. I repent of my sin. Be my Lord, my King, and my God. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Please forgive me. I want to be born again to that living hope in Christ. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to know. Would you reach out to us at walkintruth.com and say, hey, I opened my heart to Jesus today, and I just wanted to let you guys know. Hey, if you need a Bible or you just need a little bit of prayer from a pastor, 844-48-TRUTH. Call during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, 844-48-TRUTH. Hey, to all of our listening family, our partners, a big thank you from myself, from the staff. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 82 called God Takes His Stand. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.